How many people have watched this, one of the best animated movies ever? First, before I share it, what's the best animated movie ever? Ratatouille, Little Mermaid. Okay, in my opinion, the, the Rotten Tomato Dave Manifold score is this movie is Robots. Who's ever, okay? I think it's one of the best movies. So it's, it's about a boy, obviously a robot boy, uh, who, who ends up growing up in a small town but has this aspiration to innovate and create and make it to the big city and work with the biggest innovation company in the big city. And he, he gets to the big city. He, he risks things. His parents give him the freedom to move there. And he gets there only to be crushed by the corporate greed and culture that he found in this company that he was hoping to work for because the founder and owner has been pushed aside and others have kind of taken over uh, and, and led, kind of led the company to be greedy. And their motto is to make everything brand new and just kind of sweep away all the old parts. It's a robot movie, right? Sweep away all the old parts. And so the city has these, these big machines that are eliminating all these spare parts, and it's really hurting people that need these spare parts. And the only redemption in this story is that this young guy, he ends up finding this ragtag group of robots, all made up of spare parts. They look colorful and different and weird shoulders because they've just used all the different pieces that they could possibly find just to function and work well together. And because of his passion and his skill, he helps put some of these actually robots back together again. And together, these spare part robots save the day. It's an amazing story. I love the story. And you ask the question because, you know, underneath the the culture of the, the corporation really asks, like, what can be good out of spare parts? What can we do with these broken pieces? We don't want them anymore. We just want something brand new. And some of the best stories that, that we come across that inspire us, regardless if you're a person of faith, I think humanity gets inspired by stories of diverse group, a diverse group of people with sometimes with flaws and rough edges and things that have kind of maybe not gone so well in their life. But as they come together, something beautiful happens. I know I'm inspired just as a human by stories like that. And we've been in a series for the last month, and we're finishing it today. It's called Mosaic. And we've been exploring brokenness in, in the human experience and even as a Christ follower, and really asking the question, well, what, and, and share, encouraging one another, why, why we should admit or acknowledge when we're broken or seasons of brokenness, why it's important to understand it and get to the source, why it's important to be more open about it with one another in our community, why it's important as we uh, were led by the scriptures to, to submit our brokenness to the brokenness of Christ who was broken leading up to the cross. Uh, but of course, then allowing God to do his deep work in us as a way out of brokenness, to look beyond our brokenness and see God work. And if you've missed um, some of the series, you're just catching up with us today, you can listen to it on our podcast. And last week's message, we had a little bit of a technical error, so it was cut short to 18 minutes, but we're going we're gonna to re-record um, so, so people can catch last week's message. I think it was a key message in helping people get out of brokenness. But I want to end the series today asking this question, what can God do with a bunch of scrap parts, with a bunch of spare parts, with sometimes broken parts? What can God do with that? There was a church in Los Angeles in the early 80s called the Church on Brady, Back then, you know, people didn't have innovative names for churches. They just said, our church meets on this street. We're the church on Brady. Anyways, you've probably, whatever. So uh, 
so, so there's a church called the Church on Brady. It was a Southern Baptist church in, in uh, California, in, in Los Angeles. And it was around for many, many years, had an incredible track record of, of, uh, of serving people, ministering to people, seeing people come to faith, uh, fueling mission globally uh, with financially in incredible ways. But as they were getting older as a church, they often lost touch with the younger generation. And so they had this deep desire to do something to reach the younger generation. So uh, a pastor on staff, they commissioned him to, you know, why don't we do a Sunday evening gathering? And so they had this dream to, to do an evening gathering that would really reach out to a younger crowd. So a group of people teamed up to see this gathering tape, take shape. And they met together for prayer and discernment and, you know, ideas. And one evening they were all together and um, they were together and, and a girl shared an idea, said, I really think this night gathering should be called Mosaic. And the, the pastor who was involved listened to her and as she was talking, his eyes lit up. And he said, no, we're not going to call our gathering mosaic. We're going to call our church mosaic. And she's like, no, no, no. I was just talking talking about like the gathering just that night. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to call our church mosaic because that's what a church is meant to be. That church later actually did become called Mosaic, and it's a church in L.A. called Mosaic, uh, and that, that pastor was named Erwin McManus. And whether you, you like that church or not, or it really is irrelevant, I love this, this name. Because as they describe what their church is about, this is how they describe it. We are a community of broken and fragmented people formed together by the master artist to reflect his beauty, especially when his light strikes. Isn't that beautiful? Now, now, of course, you know, theologically and doctrinally, there's a much more robust way that we can describe the church. And we've done that as a church community in different teaching series. But if we just pull this, the, tease this theme out of what it means to be the church, I love the word mosaic as at least one metaphor. And you guys, you know what a mosaic is. Like, I'll put one on the screen for you. You've seen some of these, you know, works of art with a, you know, a zillion pieces that have been broken. And if you go to the next slide, you kind of see... Oh, I missed one. But yeah, that's, that actually has a cross in the middle. And 4th, um, 5th century mosaics looks like this. And the next one, that's actually a, a cross. And, and so it's beautiful. I mean, but before any of this ever showed up, I mean, there was these broken pieces all over the place, right? Different colors, different shapes, uh, different formats. I mean, the beauty of it, especially in ancient times, is not that they didn't have cookie-cutter mosaics. You know, you could buy probably a jar of a different color mosaics and follow the colored you know, number pattern you know, and make something just like color the dots. Um, but the beauty in, in how a mosaic comes together is, is just, is, it's amazing because there's these broken pieces. When they're woven together, something beautiful is made from them. Now, I think that's a beautiful thing. And regardless of, of where you are, or I am in relationship to our brokenness or our healing or getting out of brokenness. This is what I, where I want to land today as we close this series. God is using, God is using each of us individually, but even more so together to create something beautiful that he, that his light will shine through. That's it. We can go home now. <laughs> Isn't that true? God is using each of us individually for sure, but even more so all together 
bringing us together and shining his light through to make something beautiful. I want to walk through a couple of themes in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, and we're not going to read, obviously, all three chapters. We did a 22-week series on Ephesians 1, so we're just really skimming through the first three chapters today. But the first three chapters of Ephesians are amazing. It's some of the most beautifully articulated uh, doctrine and theology in the New Testament. And, and the, the letter to the Ephesian church it comes from a healthier, not, yeah, I guess a healthier place than some of the other letters, or, or the church was in a healthier place than some of the other recipients. Because when you read Second Timothy or, or Titus, or you read Corinthians, for sure, like, the church is going through a lot of struggles. So as the Apostle Paul writes to some of these churches, you can sense some corrective, preventative measures, teaching that's necessary to help people get out of stuck places. Ephesians seems to be written to a church that at least it seems on the outset is being written to a church that's in a healthy season. And so the way it's written is there's less caution and less correction uh, in the letter itself. But as you read through it, and I get, really encourage you to read through the first three, three chapters tonight or this week, it won't take you more than 10 minutes. But th- this first theme that we see in chapter 1, and I'll just read a couple of verses with you. Verse three, and, 3 to 6 or 4 to 6 says this, and it helps us understand this big picture of God bringing broken pieces together. Here's what, what Paul writes to this early um, first century church. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. Did did you notice, if you go to the next slide, we just bring a couple of words out. He chose us. And Paul uses the word us a few times in here. And in fact, even when he uses the word you, regardless of what translation you're using, the original Greek is plural. He's speaking to a group. The choosing, the, 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 for or, the, the foreknowledge, the, 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 the preordained or predestination idea. It's beautiful because Paul's writing to a group of people. So he's not just saying God chose you and not you and you and not you. He's saying God chose us. He's speaking to this church. In him, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ. And he's given us, he has freely given us Jesus in the one he loves. Paul understands that the church as a whole has been chosen. That it's been part of God's plans, God's purposes, always involved a community. And yes, God speaks to individuals and works with individuals and he speaks to you and he speaks to me and he wants to work deeply in me and work deeply in you. But God's overall purpose is always involved the community and inherent in you coming to faith and me coming to faith, inherent in your salvation and the salvation of someone else is the creation of this large-scale collage, picture, mosaic of each of us woven together to be part of God's family and part of God's mission for his glory. He's chosen us. That's been part of his plan. Inherent value of God's intent for us. And a few verses later, he describes even the overall purpose of this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So this plan, this this choosing, this predestination for his church, this is all to bring God glory. 
This is all for God's plan to unfold. And God looks at all these pieces, sometimes broken, sometimes being mended, sometimes struggling, sometimes on the road to healing, but always valuable. And those who have come in Christ become part of God's transformation project, yes, individually, but even all together. And God sees these pieces and he says, these pieces, they're all, they're all mine. These pieces are all mine and I love them all. And I cherish them and I have a purpose for them and I have a destination for them. And when I see them together, it brings me glory, brings me delight. It brings God joy and the praise and glory goes to him. Chapter 2 gives us a little more details of why the church is like a mosaic and, and why it's, 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 it's easy to talk about the beauty of what God's put together. Chapter 2, verse 10, um, Paul says these words as he continues. He says, for we, again, he's using that we, as for we are God's handiwork. Some of your versions might say masterpiece. Some of your um, versions might say workmanship. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, again, the value of each piece coming together to be altogether God's masterpiece, God's handiwork, God's workmanship. And we have this, this again, as Paul uses the word we, this big picture, the kingdom, the church, both universal and local. That's how God sees us. And it's, it's such, I, this is one of my favorite verses. I mean, I, probably, I guess I have 20 favorite verses, but this is one of, one of them. But like, we are God's handiwork. If you ever wake up in the morning and wonder, like, God, are you doing anything to me? What's up? You know, I, read that. And if you ever wonder, like, oh, our church is going through this season or this season, yes, for sure, we're going to go through difficult seasons. But remember, we are God's handiwork, God's purpose. He's building something beautiful. The purpose of this masterpiece, as Paul writes, he continues to write, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's as if the church, as it grows in this beautiful expression, this beautiful picture that God's building, is not just meant for itself. It's meant for others. That a goodness would flow out of the church and of the community. And that it was prepared in advance for us to do. Now, don't get so meticulous here that God says, God necessarily prepared exactly X for you to do. And if you don't do X and you slightly did Y because you made that decision, now you're fully, you're fallen out of God's will. I don't want you to get freaked out like that. But the idea that the whole idea of good works and goodness and an overflow of God's good news in us into how we serve the world has been God's plan all along. He's prepared us for that purpose. And whenever any of us become part of God's family in Christ, we automatically, this is cool, we automatically become part of this project. We automatically become part of what God is doing, this good works project. Now, of course, we don't believe that those good works get us into the project or get us into God's family. And I'm going to read that in a moment. But the intent, God's intent for all of us in Christ, for all of us as we come to know him, is for God to do something beautiful in us and through us, in you and through me, but in us and through us, even in our brokenness. Even, and I know this for a fact, even when we're going through a broken season, even when we feel inadequate, even when we feel like we made a mistake, even when we're less than God 
desires for us. Even when God might look at us and we take the words that, uh, that he said over Jesus, in, in my son, I'm, I'm well pleased. And yet sometimes the things we do don't please him, yet he loves us. And if you're a parent, you understand that. You have this beautiful, joyful value for your kids, even though sometimes the things they do are the things that you think was not the best thing for them to do. Right? And God, as a, as a loving parent, as a father, looks at us in, some, in similar ways. God's intent for all of us is to do something beautiful, good, and in us, but sometimes even in our brokenness. How do I know that? Because none of us, and me first, have come to Jesus perfect. It's true. Like, if this is the line of faith, I happen to have a masking tape here because John Weaver wants to make sure that you see my face, So because I walk, if I walk here, I don't. He knows I'm that dumb. So, um, so anyways... <laughs> But, you know, if, you, if this is the line of faith, you don't, no one comes to this line of faith perfect or crosses it perfect or gets to the other side perfect. Wouldn't that be true? I, I, that's not me anyway. I mean, if it's you, awesome. That's really good. I think we'll give you a badge at the end. But, but it's not, that's not the case. Nobody and nobody becomes perfect immediately. In fact, the Bible says that only one day when Christ appears, we shall be like him. But that's then, not now. There's a whole bunch of time in between, or however, how much time God knows is in between. And that's so important for us to know, because many of us are in episodes of brokenness. Many of us are in episodes where we've, we've made a detour, and, and yet I still often see God's light shining in you and through you, and in us and through us. God using you, God doing something beautiful in you. Tim Keller wrote a book about marriage, a great book on marriage, if you ever want to read it. And he was, he was describing how sometimes a spouse sees one another. And he, he was describing how his wife might see him in a season where he's not really who he's meant to be or should be. And how maybe he's seen his wife in a season in where you know, he, he knows that she's still growing in something. And I love this one line that comes out of the book. And he, he's kind of saying it to his wife. He says, I see what God is making you into. I see what God is making you into. And just in the reverse, that could be said to him from his wife. Tim, I see what God is making you into. You're not there now, but I see what God is making you into because there's this movement towards God working in our lives. But how does God use the broken to build something beautiful? I mean, who would ever make the audition? Who would ever make the cut? So if we back up a couple of verses um, in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it's two inc- most you know, really key verses in understanding grace. Paul says this just before he talks about us being a masterpiece. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Isn't it interesting? The verse later, he says, your masterpiece in Christ Jesus, God has prepared in advance good works for you to do, but he recognizes that none of those good works, pre or post, ever put us in a position to be, you know, make the audition, to be part of God's family or to be saved or rescued by God. He clearly helps us understand it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. You and I are not part of God's masterpiece because we made the cut. If 10 is, 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 you know, is the audition marker, none of us ever make the 10. So we'd all lose the audition. I'd be the first one. Lose the audition. 
and be like, sorry, you can't be part of the mosaic. But we know that it doesn't work that way. It's by grace, through faith, through the work of the cross of Jesus and his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that begins to transform us. It's grace. And so even when we are broken, and I think we could admit that even after we cross the line of faith, yes, Holy Spirit begins to live in us. Yes, God does something wonderful in us. Yes, we start to grow and change. But have you all experienced broken seasons on this side of the line? Have you all experienced that? It's true, right? So you see myself better. I'm going to flip the lines, okay? So this is, I'm crossing the line this way. It's true. We, it's true. That just, that's the reality. That's why we started this series saying there are broken people among us. It doesn't mean that God's not, that God's not at work or that his salvation didn't work or that the Holy Spirit's not. No, no, no. It's, we're a work in progress. God started a work in us. He's faithful to complete it. And we keep growing in that way. And even when we're broken, here's the beautiful thing. We, you and I, individually, but together especially, are a canvas for God's light. A canvas for, God, for God's light to shine through. The last couple of weeks in this series, I've shared from parts of Anne Voskamp's story. And um, Anne Voskamp, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like she discovered that her brokenness, which was a wound that started from losing her little two-year-old sister when she was five years old. Her two-year-old sister was killed by a delivery truck on the farm road. We walked through that a couple, for the last couple of weeks. We used part of her story. And that wound grew deep from her sister's death. Grief, pain, despair. Um, often in her teen years led, led to cutting herself. And she says that even in that brokenness, as she allowed Christ to work, her brokenness met Christ's brokenness. The incredible um, work of the Holy Spirit helped her see beyond her brokenness, like we talked about last week, seen beyond that. But she also noticed that her brokenness, as broken as she felt, God was able to use that as a canvas for his light, as a canvas for his work. One of the stories that really encouraged her is the story in John chapter 9 where Jesus uh, meets, encounters a blind man. And it seems that he's been blind. I can't remember the full story if he's been blind from birth or a very long time. But they ask the question, where, where did his blindness come from? Did he sin? It's a question. Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Did he do something wrong? In our modern day and age, we'd say, is that karma? Like, did he do something and then got something? And Jesus says, no, none of that. And this one line out of that story really spoke and encouraged Anne Voskamp. Jesus says, this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened. This, regardless of how he's blind, this happened now so the works of God might be displayed in him. That God can take that moment and shine his light into it. That encouraged Anne so much because she saw that even in her despair and brokenness, God was able to take that and shine his light on it, display his power and his glory. And God can take a broken person, a broken community of broken people, and shine his light in and through that. Isn't, that. isn't that encouraging? Isn't that amazing that God can do that? And God loves to work through broken people. That's why if we step up to the plate and say, Lord, use me because I'm perfect, because I'm successful, because I'm overqualified. Just look at my resume. It's not that God can't use you, because even you saying that is your brokenness. But, well, it is, right? And so, if I won't tell you, maybe your counselor will, but that, that's the reality. So, but, 
even in our brokenness. See, when, when we understand that we're broken even before the Lord, oh man, how God loves to use us in our brokenness. How God loves to use us, not just to restore us, because that's part of it, but he shines his light. Our brokenness becomes a canvas for his light. And when he does, it surprises people. It surprises the person who's broken. Have you, have you ever been part of something and you're like, God, I can't believe you used me in that situation. I was so far from you, and yet this person at work somehow was drawn to you because of me. I've met people like that. They're like, how did you get on this path to faith? And then I happened to know the person. Well, this person actually shared something with me and, and answered some questions for me, and I'm like, man, that person is not even connected with Jesus these days. <laughs> like he's on a far bad place. How did God, what? How did God use him? There's moments sometimes when we feel broken and yet God uses, that surprises us. And it surprises everyone around us. How often I've stepped back surprised. I remember um, when I was um, serving in young adult ministry and we had a real desire to to reach out to young adults um, from our church and beyond. And so we did an evening, a Saturday evening night, uh, really like an outreach with music and relevant topics. And, and our church was a small church. I mean, we were like 70 or 80 people. The young adult group was like 10 or 15. And we had this big vision to see, you know, young adults come to faith. And that night, that first night we tried this, I remember I'm like, this is going to fail. This is, gonna, this is horrible. Like, I, I know this is going to be hard, you know? And uh, we crammed like... 70 or 75 people into this small church basement. And remember, the evening was starting, and, uh, and I'm like, you know, kind of involved in a whole bunch of pieces for the night, and I'm looking at the, these people walk in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And so I, I, I leave this small little basement, and I go up this small staircase. It's a very small church building, and I kind of get in the corner of the staircase, and I'm just standing here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? This is crazy, because we're just not ready for this. We don't know what's happening. And I remember feeling in my inadequacy that God was actually doing something. And at the end of that, that God did something, even in the midst of our inadequacy, my inadequacy, our first start at something. And what happens there is God is able to make an incredible mosaic out of broken pieces when we let him. And he can do that in your life and in my life. He can do that in your family, in your workplace. He can do that in our church. In fact, the only reason what's happening at Westside is happening, and I'm not saying something great is happening, I'm just saying whatever's happening that is happening is happening through broken people like you and me. And God's working in us and through us. And God uses us and people to make a difference. God uses those people. God did that. Wow, you're saying God did that through him or God did that through her. Or God did that through them or God spoke through that. How did that happen? How did that happen? There's a, a lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. Now, her name is Johnny because she was named after her dad, but it's spelled J-O-N-E. And this is a picture of her. Um, and you might know who she is because uh, if you're old enough and been in Christian circles enough, her book was super popular like in the 80s and 90s. So when I was a kid growing up, she was active as a teenager. 
horseback riding, swimming, running, sports. Her dad was uh, like a, a substitute in, for wrestling in the Olympics, and he, he was very active. And, and so one, day, one day in her active lifestyle, uh, camping or out and about, she dove into kind of like a large bay water area and mis, misread like how shallow the water was and uh, had a horrible accident and became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she writes in her biography, how, autobiography, how she experienced anger and depression and suicidal thoughts and, and, and had spiritual doubt. And yet, she also describes how she began to allow God to work in her life, how she allowed God to do something in her life. And her life became a canvas for God's light, became a canvas for God to do something beautiful in her. In fact, she learned to paint with her mouth, and she's painted ever since. She learned that through her occupational therapy, and God started to use her. And if you see some of her paintings with her mouth, it's pretty amazing. She, she started to use her words, initially w- with her mouth, but then through voice recognition software as that became available. She advocated for people with disabilities. She started a ministry to accelerate uh, ministry among uh, disabled people. And through disabled people, her life became a masterpiece. God was able to take even the physical brokenness and the emotional brokenness that she felt and somehow bring healing and hope and use that. That's how God works. That's how this mosaic gets built. As we go to chapter 3, God brings all of this together to create this beautiful picture and it's stunning to see the impact of what happens. Now, Paul highlights in the beginning of chapter 3, he highlights how God administered his grace through Paul. He's like, I can't believe it. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling grateful. He's like, Lord, you've administered your grace through me that you would use me, that, you would, that I would be this vessel to share the gospel to these people. And so God, Paul's like floored. He's, he's like, oh my gosh, God, I, you're using me. And he's telling the Ephesian church, by God's administration of his grace, he's using me here. And this grace, is why it's grace is because the fact that God's using Paul is a gift. It's not an expectation or a demand, it's a gift. God is using Paul and it's a gift to Paul and the church. And then Paul becomes a gift to the church as God uses him. This person who was a hater of Christians, who killed Christians, who, who, who persecuted Christians, who said, I was the chief of sinners. God was using him and that's by grace. And sometimes God can use anything he wants. I was in Trombalon, my, my family and I, a couple of years ago, and we happened to be there during Iron Man. If you're going to go to Trombalon and you don't really want to watch Iron Man and you hate the crowds, don't go. We didn't know. We just went and like, oh, Iron Man is here. Iron Man is like big worldwide triathlon event. And so like, I mean, 150,000 people, 200,000 people poured into the Tremblant region that weekend. But it was cool to see all this and to see the race and to see the bikes and to see the, all the equipment and to see, you know, these people kind of getting psyched up. And we met in a restaurant like, a, I don't know, a 70-year-old woman from Boston who was running in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel so inadequate to you right now. But, <laughs> but it was just really cool. Now, uh, my brother-in-law happened to be there, and he met a cyclist in the lobby of the hotel, and so they strike up a conversation, and, and uh, they're chatting about equipment and stuff, and how long have you been doing these triathlons? And so uh, he asks, well, what kind of, like, you must have a really good bike, you know? And uh, the man says, no, I, you know, my bike is worth about $2,500, and my equipment is just rare. Now, if you know anything about cycling, well, first of all, people 
often overspend on their bikes, but they end up uh, triathlons, triathletes, they spend up to ten to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on a bike because they want to win. Here's this guy, twenty five hundred dollars, so it's the bottom end. So he's asked, Well, how do you do in these in these races? He's like, I always come in on the top twenty five percent. So the bottom twenty five percent of equipment, the top twenty five percent of finishing the race. What an amazing analogy for how we always think we need the best stuff to accomplish something. And I think that's part of how God works. God, God, is, God says, you know what? There, 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 there's, there's failures and frailty and some are fragile and some are going through a broken season. But in God's hand, he can use each of us, each of us to put his masterpiece together. Each of us. And then multiply that. Multiply you and me and others and each person in this room. And you know what we get? We get a mosaic. We don't just get one piece. We get 100 pieces. We get 200 pieces. And we get a mosaic. And here's what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 10. It's, it's one of the most profound statements on the church in the New Testament. Because it, 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 it stretches our mind to how important what God is doing through the church. Listen to what he says in verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The, the, word, the phrase made known, can, you can translate it to put on display to show, to express that God's intent, his purpose was through the church and the church is filled with broken, messy people. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be put on display. Not only for the world to see, but for the heavenly realms to notice, for the angels and the authorities and the spiritual realms looking back and say, oh my gosh, God, that is what you have been doing? That is beautiful. That is amazing. And you've done it with these people? <laughs> That's even more amazing. None of them are angels. Right? So, you know, when, when the first disciples were, were um, book of Acts, I think chapter 3 or 4, you know, one of the comments is like, how is this happening with these un- uneducated people? How is all this stuff happening? How... What's this impact going on with these people that come from this background, this former tax collector, this former fisherman, the guys that were called sons of thunder, the thugs that maybe were on, you know, like they were on whatever part of the gangs back. I don't know. You know, I just, that, that name makes me think of that. But it's like, God is, what? God's doing that through them? How is that possible? Through the church, God's wisdom, his purpose, his light will be on display because God takes broken pieces weaves them together. He's the master artist. It's his handiwork. And that's the team to come up as we close this morning. And um, I want us to keep, to allow this, this image that Paul has painted for us in the first three chapters of Ephesians, also to understand our heart and, and the season you're in. Maybe personally we've said there are broken people among us. But God can do something amazing. Just two weeks ago, um, part of the West Island Network, the, the one we prayed with today, they, Daria uh, set up a team called the Kate Team. 
um, community action and impact team. And there's about eight or nine people from different churches. There's a few from our church as part of that team. And uh, there was a need that came up. There was um, a new person to, to the city, to the West Island, a young couple, and the woman was pregnant. I believe she was, they were from Lebanon or Iran. I can't remember. And the need came up. They literally had nothing. And she shared the need with these eight or nine people from, from four or five different churches. And within 24 hours, within 24 hours, they had a bed. They had clothes. They had connection to resources. They had support. They had people now in relationship with them. They, they got signed up to uh, an English as a second language course in one of our local churches that's part of the network. And I thought, is, isn't that a mosaic? Isn't that God taking these pieces and working it together for good works, for goodness? As Kids Quest takes place just behind that wall, and we insulated well, you don't hear them. But they're there. And, and, that's, and the people who serve there are like, yeah, we're there. And so there's a beautiful thing happening there. It's a beautiful mosaic. And there's people that are serving there and contributing there and mentoring and sponsoring and supporting and guiding and ministering. And God's using all those pieces to do something beautiful with our kids. On Friday evenings when we have youth uh, on the, the other side of that wall. <laughs> And, and it's like God's using people, leaders and people in place to, 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 to nurture and minister to young people. And that's God's mosaic coming together, right? When we gather here, like we gather today, it didn't just happen. People showed up and prepared and got things ready. And if you saw the leak outside, you know, some people emptied out the water because we didn't want you to step in water when you came in. And, you know, the sound is working and other things are going on. And why, this is all a mosaic, when groups gather in Vaudreuil or St. Laurent or St. Anne de Bellevue or Pointe Claire or other places, this is God's mosaic. And here's how I want to end today. Just this important, vital message we all need to know. You are part of that mosaic. I am part of this mosaic. I am at times broken. I at times fall short of God's intended purpose for me and 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 you know I, I don't say that in a way like oh i'm always trying to catch up no god's at work in me and i know i'm i know i'm growing and i want to keep growing i don't want to stop growing but there are seasons where i know like man this is god wants better for me and yet he still uses me and god wants better for you and don't stop growing don't stop pursuing but god still uses you and he puts us all together and he makes this beautiful mosaic god is making a masterpiece out of you and i So here's the two responses as we close this series. One is, and as we've said over the last few weeks, if you feel like you're in a a season of brokenness and you need help moving forward, please do not do it alone. Let us know. Let us help you. Let us point you in the right direction. We're going to try and create a list of people in our church community that that others can reach out to. Uh, Not just me, but, but a group. And then resources where we can point people to. Maybe the specifics of a season you're going through. So we want to point you to Jesus and we want you to point you to support. So that's important. Um, But don't let that stop you from being part of the mosaic. God wants to use you. God wants to use us. So the next response is be determined. Today as we close our gathering and invite you just to take a moment and say, yes, I am this, I am a piece. I'm this broken piece. I'm this broken piece. And God, by his grace, has revealed himself to me, shown himself to me, and allowed me to become, you know, a path to become part of his family. And he's, I am a piece in this beautiful big mosaic. And so 
I encourage you to, to step into that. Because if a piece of the mosaic is kind of left outside the picture, it, there's going to be a spot missing. There's going to be a color or a shape or a connector missing. And if you're out here and not in here, the mosaic is not really getting fulfilled. So my heart for you, for all of us, is that we step into this picture God is making. Step in through your heart. Step in through your, our, our connection here as a church community, relationally. Step in through your service and your time and your gifts being used for this beautiful mosaic being built. Step in with your resources and your finances. Because if, if any of us step out of that, you will see some of the pieces missing. But God has every hope and desire for you to be inside this picture he's building. Amen? Let's stand as we, we wrap up in just singing um, the chorus of this song that uh, the team led us in before, just acknowledging that God makes beautiful things out of us. Amen? God makes beautiful things out of us. Isn't that incredible? Is that, that is a, just a promise and a truth I want us to close with today, that God makes beautiful things out of us. Let's sing it together before we pray. Why don't you guys lead us in there? God, we're so grateful we stand on this truth. Thank you, God, that you chose us. That in your plans and your purposes, you always had a community in mind. That as people come to faith, and grow in you, that they'd be part of your family, your church. God, we're so grateful that in your purposes, in your mission, you had purposed a church. God, we're so grateful. We thank you that we are, we are your masterpiece. I know that some of us say that feeling inadequate. Some of us say that feeling broken. Some of, the, some of us say that feeling like it might not be true, Lord. But we, God, we take the truth of your word this morning. We are your handiwork, your masterpiece, purposed in Christ Jesus, purposed to do good works, purposed to be a beautiful mosaic for the world around us, for your glory, even for the heavenly realms. We thank you that it was your intent that through the church, your wisdom would be on display. And God, we thank you because it is not by our own merit. It is not by our good works. It is not by any good perfection of our own, Lord, but it is by your grace and through faith that we are part of this beautiful picture that you are building and putting together, God. You are the master artist. And so today, God, each of us, Lord, we just, we stand and say, we give ourselves to you, Lord. We give ourselves to your work. We say you be the master author of our life. You be the artist of our life. God, may our life be a canvas that you paint on, that you work in, that you shine in and through, oh God. And together, Lord, may we each be a piece that you're weaving together, God, for your glory, for your fame, for your purpose, for your mission. And we trust that as we trust you, that that is also good for us because you work all things for the good of those who love you. 
being conformed as we are being conformed into the image of your son. That is our hope, oh God. That is our hope. And so may we end today being determined to be a peace in this mosaic you're creating. Oh God, for anyone, or for whatever reason, they, f- they feel like they're out of the picture or they have stepped out of the picture or feel like they're not engaging or pursuing or participating, God, would by the work of your Holy Spirit, may you help them see the beauty and purpose and hope and intent of their inclusion in what you're building. God, we long to be people engaged in your mission and in your family. And God, for some here today, maybe who are just making a first step and so wanting to have you work in their lives, May they know, even in this moment, if that's you, it's by grace. You don't have to reach number 10 for an audition to be part of God's family. But you do need to embrace his son as Lord and Savior. So I encourage you to trust him right now, to put your trust in him. Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you to call him Lord of your life. That's the first step. And God has every intention of seeing you part of this picture that he has chosen and intended from before the beginning of time, his mosaic. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.